You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. I apologize for the week hiatus. Uh, you know, don't really celebrate July 4th as many as some people do. Uh, but, you know, Belle's been out of town dealing with some stuff is why you see her virtually today, um, as well as just a bunch of stuff that we're dealing with here at Circling Seattle Sports, trying to grow what we do and trying to add on uh, to the different content that we're able to provide you with. Uh, so with that being said, I mean, a good amount, a good amount of stuff's happened over the past week. The Mariners have found themselves in the thick of the playoff race. Once again, uh, we're getting closer to Seahawks training camp. So we're getting some news about the quarterbacks, of course, uh, with the way that things have gone this off season, uh, the Sounders, the storm have been keeping their seasons going. There's, there's a lot going on, you know, right now, and especially over those past two weeks. So with that being said, uh, Bell will take lead here as we go into the Seahawks and a little bit of stuff. Nothing, I guess, necessarily this groundbreaking, but um, some interesting stuff around the quarterback. So, Bell, what do we got going on yeah, uh, over with our Seahawks? I don't think we've had anything like super groundbreaking in a couple of weeks, but just like you said, we'll be detailing what's going on, what has gone on in the last couple of weeks. So, um, starting us off here on July first, KJ Wright has spoken about his QB situation, the QB situation in Seattle and his situation. Um, he still wants to play, but only for Seattle could consider coaching or other role with the Seahawks, but does not want to leave his family like he did when he signed with the Raiders. Um, he states that Gino all day in regards to the Seahawks starting quarterback and doesn't want to see Mayfield or Locke start for Seattle. And of course we do have more news on Mayfield. Um, moving on to July 5th here, we have Jody Allen speaking about there were some rumors that she could potentially sell the Seahawks and the Trailblazers or the Trailblazers. Um, but she did respond to the rumor saying that there is no plan to sell the teams anytime soon. Um, she said, as we've stated before, neither of the teams is for sale and there are no sales discussions happening. So we don't have to worry about anything there. Um, and then, of course, the Seahawks had expressed that they were not interested in Baker Mayfield before, but it has been reiterated that they were not interested in training for the Browns quarterback. And just as I specified a little bit earlier, um, we don't have anything to worry there anyway, because Mayfield actually signed with a different team. So moving on here on the 11th, the team has discussed the possibility, though, of trading for 49ers QB Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Seattle has done its film work on Jimmy G amid trade rumors. So we'll keep you guys posted as that develops or doesn't develop there. Um, moving on to some league news here. Some pretty big league news here. Uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan is the new Raiders team president, and that makes her the first black woman to, woman to hold such a posi position in the NFL. So congratulations to Sandra Douglas Morgan there on the position, and we hope to see her su succeed in it. Um, that about wraps up all of our news. Looking ahead, all we have is July 26th, as Charles mentioned, Seahawks training camp. So again, we'll keep you guys posted as more things develop and we can now move on to our Mariners who have had a busy two weeks. They certainly have. And I mean, just to take a little bit of a look back there, I mean, the quarterback discussion obviously dominates the Seahawks scape of things uh, in our relation to news. I don't know how you, Bell, personally feel about the news about Jimmy Garoppolo it's it's an interesting discussion to have and uh, whether that carries any actual weight uh, will certainly be looked at here as we approach training camp, like you said, in what, 15 days, uh, mm -hmm. the team will report to training camp over at the VMAC down in Renton. Uh, but 
I mean, the Mayfield news was interesting because before he was traded to Carolina, it was the Seahawks have no interest, as we reported. And then there was some reports that weren't really as verified that said, oh, the Seahawks are nearing a trade for Mayfield. So, you know, the scope of how real that is, you know, whether we find that out or not is interesting, at least with the Allen news. I expected that, you know, I think that if there were to be a sale, it would take a couple of years because of the way Paul Allen's trust is. But I'm I didn't think that was going to be imminent at all. So, uh, as you mentioned, the Mariners had a busy past two weeks. I know. I mean, what the last time we spoke to you and around the time that the Angels series, uh, I think it was a long 11 game homestand. uh, The last time around that time, things were looking bad. The Mariners were 10 games under 500. Uh, They just were sputtering, essentially. Things have changed. So we'll go over these, what, the four series that the Mariners have played in that time uh, against the Orioles, uh, starting out on June 27th, a 9-2 to loss to Baltimore, which is unfortunate. Uh, play of the game, catcher Cal Raleigh. Raleigh, uh, one hit, one run, an RBI, a solo homer in the bottom of the fifth, uh, started off the Mariners' offense there. June 28th versus the Orioles to bounce back, a 2 to nothing win, a really tight, close shutout victory. Uh, player of the game, left fielder, Jesse Winker, one hit, two RBIs, a two RBI double late in that game gives the Mariners a victory. Uh, June 29th versus the Orioles, a nine to three win. So taking the series against Baltimore after that tough uh, series opening loss, player of the game, you're going to hear Julio's name quite a bit in this Mariners segment. So, you know, prepare for that uh, with one hit, one run and three RBIs kind of the be near the beginning of incredible stretch. Uh, for Julio over, and at least in recent memory, uh, after he had a little bit of a slump. So we take that Baltimore series. We head into a series against the Oakland Athletics. Uh, starting on June 30th, a four-game series against Oakland, an 8-6 to six win to begin that one. Play the game catcher Cal Raleigh. Raleigh also, I mean, in recent memory as well, has been playing really well. Uh, two hits, two RBIs, a run, and a little league homer technically was a triple with a throwing error to third base. I'm going to call it the inside the park home run. I don't mm-hmm. care. I found that was one of the most fun plays I've seen all year, Um, especially for a catcher to do so. Actually, back, I believe it was in 2003, Mariners catcher Dan Wilson had an inside the park home run. So Mariners catchers can do that kind of thing, I guess. Um, July 1st versus Oakland, a three to one loss. It's a tough loss. You're not going to win every game in baseball. But against Oakland, you'd like to take care uh, of those games. Player of the game, left fielder Jesse Winker with the only RBI of the game for Seattle. Uh, and then bouncing back on July 2nd versus the Athletics, a 2-1 to one win. Uh, this one, a walk-off. Player of the game, third baseman Abraham Toro. Toro had two hits in an RBI. Uh, he would walk that game off in extra innings. Um, and then July 3rd versus the Athletics. Those are two day games, by the way. A Saturday day game is pretty rare. It's kind of bizarre. Uh, July 3rd, the Sunday versus the Athletics, a 2-1 to one win to take the series over Oakland. Played the game once again, center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Two hits, two RBIs, one run. He had a leadoff homer in the bottom of the first for the Mariners to really get things going. Uh, so, I mean, we look at that homestand, and it's Baltimore and Oakland. Baltimore and I mean, the past decade has been really struggling, but they had their first winning month with that opening series opening win over Seattle, their first uh, winning month since 2017. That's a decent amount of time to not have a winning month as a whole over these long seasons of baseball. But, you know, you take care of Baltimore and Baltimore has been surging as well as the Mariners have gone on their now eight game winning streak that we'll get to here in a second. So the Orioles. 
So both of these teams are kind of firing at the same time. So I'd say taking the series against them isn't a bad thing. But regardless, nice homestand against Baltimore and Oakland. And then we shift down to a little bit of an odd two-game series against the Padres down in San Diego. Um, and San Diego, as I'm sure any baseball fan knows, has had a really talented roster over the years. And the Mariners really decimated them in the July 4th and 5th games against San Diego down at Petco Park. Uh, the July 4th game, an 8-2 to two victory. A player of the game, catcher Cal Raleigh. Raleigh only one hit, but he had four RBIs in the game on July 5th to take the two-game series against the Padres, a 6-2 to two win as left fielder Sam Haggerty uh, had three hits, two RBIs, two runs, and at that time had a 303 batting average. For a guy, I have to admit, I've been critical of Sam Haggerty at times. I thought he was just kind of a utility guy. You know, since he's been back up with the big league club, he's been really helpful. Uh, while guys like Jesse Winker, JP Crawford have uh, taken those suspensions from the Mariners versus Angels brawl that we'll get to here when we get to team news. So take those two games against San Diego. That's nice. Leading into a pretty critical four game stretch against the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto, a team that heading into this series and obviously after this series now has been sputtering. But they were in the third wildcard spot. They're in a tight division. And Toronto typically fields a good team, especially with Vlade Guerrero Jr. So just setting the stage for you there as we head into this four-game series against Toronto. And if you're a Seattle Mariners fan whatsoever, you know how big of a deal these Toronto series in Seattle are because of how many fans come here to these games. I joke that half of Canada shows up. And it's not necessarily that much of an exaggeration considering uh, at least being in the press box for three of those games. I would say it was about, I'd say, I don't want to say 70. I'd say 65 to uh, 65% Blue Jays fans. And they show up. I mean, that's the best chance that some of them will get to see uh, their Toronto team at all. Because some of them won't make that trip to Toronto. And they're much closer to Seattle. So I, I know I'm okay with it as long as they're not as respectable as fans. But if we win those games... It's better. And we'll get to that glorious series here. So starting that out on July 7th versus the Blue Jays, a nice eight to three win. So really jumping on the Blue Jays in the first game of the series. Player of the game, third baseman, A. Eugenio Suarez, two hits, two runs, three RBIs and five total bases on the night. Gino bringing the good vibes in that game, as well as the second game of the series on July 8th versus the Blue Jays, a five to two win. That game went into 11 innings. It was on Apple TV. I apologize for those who were frustrated that they couldn't watch this game because it was on Apple TV. Um, you missed a good one. I, I apologize for that. Player of the game, once again, third baseman Eugenio Suarez, two hits, two runs, and three RBIs, a walk-off homer in the bottom of the 11th to send Mariners fans home happy, not necessarily those Blue Jays fans, um, but to, at minimum, give them the series sweep. I mean, pardon me, the series split. So just, just to set the stage here a little bit as well, after this game, I went to the post-game press conference for the first time uh, for the Mariners. And so usually, obviously, you'll get the coach to talk. So Scott Service was talking a little bit. But then you hear a knock on the door and someone goes, hurry up, Scott, I want to go home. I'm like, who is that? You know, And it would make sense that Gino had to talk next because he had to walk off Homer. So in the middle of a question, Eugenio opens the door himself and says, Scott, I want to go home. Get out. I'm doing my presser. And that was one of the funniest <laughs> things I'd seen. Uh, he also said that that homer that he hit, he talked to his wife before the game, before he left for the ball game. Aww. And he said that if I hit a homer tonight, it's for you. So that was that was a pretty cool game all in all. Um, and I'll tell you what, 
if you ever, if any of you get to be pressed for one of these Mariner games after a win, it is like a club down there. Turn the lights off. It's strobe lights. It's hilarious. Um, anyway, we get back to that Toronto series on July 9th to take the series. The Mariners win in tight, tight fashion. Uh, two to one player of the game for the baseman. Uh, recently require, acquired first baseman Carlos Santana records one hit, one run, two RBIs. The go-ahead homer uh, late in that game, a two-run shot scoring J.P. Crawford that hits off of the scoreboard right below Hit It Here Cafe and gives the Mariners a huge series win. I would have been okay with a series split against this Blue Jays team, but they take the series. That leads us into a big uh, Sunday game where you're like, hey, at this point, screw it. Go for the sweep. Now, this game was a little bit tough. July 10th versus the Blue Jays. Yes, a 6-5 to five win. It was pretty back and forth. The Blue Jays got after Logan Gilbert decently early. Uh, but again, Carlos Santana plays the hero. Two hits, three RBIs, three runs, two homers on the day. So two days, three homers. Kind of a nice stretch there for Carlos. Uh, the go-ahead homer as well in the bottom of the eighth. And funny enough, just like the day before, the homers it was a two-run shot to go ahead. Uh, and he scored J.P. Crawford. So it was, I can't speak enough to <laughs> the incredible series that that was. It was huge. Not only because, you know, you get a four-game sweep. You've never swept Toronto in four games before. Uh, and with that little win there, we'll get to it later. But you overtake their playoff spot, which is the third wildcard spot. Granted, it is July, and you've got a lot of time to kill before we actually get to when that necessarily matters. And you've got a decent stretch of rough patch after the all-star break, but this is really good. This could set you up really well momentum wise. And at the end of the day, Bell and I have talked about this before. You have to win series. And with that Toronto series, you've won six series in a row. Just keep, keep tanking her business. So with that being said, we'll head into player of the week uh, as we've got a decent amount of stuff to cover here. Now, Bell picked a certain somebody that makes a lot of sense uh, in the uh, idea of not copying and going the same. Uh, I went with Carlos. Mr. Santana had a pretty solid uh, past two games and was is also really helpful to who Bell picked. Uh, and I'll get to why after she discusses her pick. But Santana, you know, those two uh, go ahead homers are huge. And, you know, if he doesn't hit those who knows if the Mariners get the series win, let alone win either of those games. So I thought that he had a really big, uh, obviously, on the field impact there, has made some solid plays in the infield as well since we acquired him. But uh, his importance to Julio Rodriguez, who Bell picked, is uh, something I'll mention after she discusses her pick for Player of the Week. So, Bell, why did you go with Julio this week? I mean, I don't I blame mean, you. Can we not acknowledge his swimming skills? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, just like I've said previously, Julio is so exciting to watch. He had a, that leadoff homer. He just continues to improve. He's continued to do great. Just got chosen for the All-Star game. I mean, I just have no complaints about his performance so far, and it's hard not to go with Julio week after week. So that was my pick. Yeah, the the swimming thing that Bella's talking about, on the Friday game, Julio had essentially a stand-up triple but as he was rounding second and heading into the home stretch for third, he tripped and fell a decent bit before third base. And he tried to swim his way through the infield dirt to third base. And after that, the, the, the day later, uh, the Mariners had a little fun with it, did a little outline of 
him sprawled out and put some uh, caution tape around it. So that was fun. He had some float. Julio took some photos with floaties on right next to it. So <laughs> they had fun with it. But I mean, I think it was said on Twitter, there isn't a young player in the Seattle area that I can, I, I, that I agree with necessarily. I mean, I think Magnagor has been playing great, but whose star has shined as bright as Julio has to this point in time right now. Julio's leading the charge in the city in terms of the younger players. And like you, I always go back to what you said. Julio is must watch every at bat. And you're not wrong in that regard, whether it is a home run or getting on base, outrunning an infield hit, you know, or even when he's out in the outfield, the plays that he's able to make. Yep. You know, at the end of the day, I don't know how that contract discussion works, but if I were in the GM chair, I'm giving him the entire bank. Not the, you know, I know I've used the term the Brinks truck before. F the Brinks truck, give him the whole goddamn bank. <laughs> you know, you have to keep that kind of talent in Seattle. I know there's the jokes about, oh, he'll be traded to New York for this, this. I hate that regard. You know, that's kind of why we started this show is I hate casual ideas like that. Um, but his, his star continues to shine bright and, yeah, it, it's a total no-brainer, I think, for Player of the Week. I just wanted to, to be different in that regard from you. Um, but, yeah, that's I think that was a great pick, and I always go back to what you say about that. So uh, we will head into a little bit of injury news here because, I mean, this club has been dealing with guys in and out of the lineup for different things. On the 27th, uh, catcher Luis Torrens was placed on the 10-day IL. On the 28th, Taylor Trammell left the game in the top of the fifth inning with a right hamstring strain. He has still not rejoined the club in terms of playing activity. On the 29th, Trammell was placed on the 10-day IL. And catcher Tom Murphy was transferred to the 60-day IL as he had successful surgery on his shoulder. On the 7th, uh, pictured Ty France was reinstated from the 10-day IL and has only been doing DH work, so he hasn't returned to first base quite yet. Um, he's been being eased into it with the DH and I mean, Carlos has been filling in pretty well. So, you know, uh, I guess it's a luxury at first base there. And then on the ninth catcher, Luis Torrens was reinstated from the 10 day injured list while right-handed pitcher Ken Giles was placed on the 15 day IL, uh, Giles came out of the game on the eighth, uh, with some shoulder discomfort. Giles has been dealing with some injuries, uh, since 2019. So just hoping that, that's not a longer term thing, uh, but we're, we're getting some positives here. I will let you know an update on Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hanniger. Lewis uh, has been doing some rehab assignments up in Everett with the Aqua Sox. In three games, he has three homers, uh, so it's safe to say he's, his hitting is back. Um, he is expected to go down to Tacoma sometime this week to get some rehab assignments down there and play outfield, which last time he was with the big league club, Scott Service said he wouldn't be playing outfield with the Mariners for some time as I wanted to ease him back. So some news there, Mitch Hanniger is getting back into some strenuous activities, sprinting. I've seen him at batting practice before some games as well as playing catch. So he's getting back into it. At the end of the day, I believe Jerry DePoto said that we can expect to see those guys after all-star break or at the end of the month. So uh, those are updates on Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hanniger for you. Uh, we do have the fallout from the brawl, the Mariners versus Angels brawl in terms of suspensions. And we got an update actually on Julio's suspension, uh, which he shouldn't have even got um, mm -hmm. as of recent. So we'll just go down the list for you here in terms of those suspensions. On the Angels side of things, uh, manager Phil Nevin was given a 10-game suspension. Third baseman Anthony Rendon, who was actually injured for the year and 
couldn't even play. So he gets a five-game suspension when he returns, and he wasn't allowed to be on the Angels' bench for the next seven games after those suspensions were doled out. Notice here some of the names I read, considering that they're not players. Assistant pitching coach Dom Chidi got five games. Uh, we'll go through some players here. Right-handed pitcher Andrew Wants got three games. He was the one who threw at Julio and at Jesse Winker. The poor guy is just a rookie, so you know Nevin had him go out there to do that. Right-handed pitcher Ryan Tapera got a three-game suspension. Right-handed pitcher Rachel Iglesias got two games. Iglesias was actually, if you saw any of the fallout from that game, he took a box of sunflower seeds and threw it onto the field when no one was there. So that was a little bit bizarre. Uh, and then listen to these next three names. Bench coach, Ray Montgomery got two games. Interpreter, yes, language interpreter, <laughs> Manny Del Campo got two games. And catching coach, Bill Hasselman got one game. So interesting to note the kind of organization that the Angels are. And then for the Mariners, left fielder Jesse Winker initially had seven games, got it appealed to six games. And he has, I believe, gone through nearly all of those suspension games already. And the Mariners were 6-0 in those games. Uh, mm -hmm. Shortstop J.P. Crawford had initially five games, appealed it to four games that he started serving on June 30th. The Mariners went 3-1 and one in that stretch. And Julio initially got two games. No really idea why. He didn't throw any punches. Uh, but he got that served down to one game, and he will serve that tomorrow against the Nationals. So, uh, Oh, and then on the 29th, Angels pitcher Archie Bradley was hurt in the brawl. Bradley fractured his right elbow when he fell over the dugout railing trying to get out on the field for the fight. He's been placed on the injured list. And funny enough, his one of his nicknames was Crash and Burn. That's one of the nicknames. So I guess it's fitting. Uh, but it's really interesting to look back on this brawl simply because um, Angels manager Phil Nevin said after the game that he hopes that it riled his Angels up and he got them... Uh, basically said, hey, this is we're, we want to be a winning ball club now. Since then, the Mariners stock has gone up and the Angels stock has crashed and burned. They are doing terrible. They are 10 games under 500. It's it, kind of funny to see. Anyway, um, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that brawl and anything that took place? I mean, I know it's just ridiculous to look at any of that and just some of the comments. Obviously, there was a lot of fanfare with it, but do you have anything to look back on in that regard? I think it's just um, how you said that with the Angels, they hope that it would fire the team up. And it definitely seems like it's done it for our Mariners. Um, and just the list of the players or staff that got suspended compared to ours is a significantly larger. So, yeah, just I mean, it's been it feels like it kind of turned it around for us. I don't know if that's exactly what did it, the brawl or Carlos Santana showing up, but whatever it was, let's just keep it going. Maybe both. Maybe a good bit of both. <laughs> um, so we'll head over to roster-related news here. On the 27th of June, yeah, we're going back a little bit, uh, catcher Andrew Knapp was selected from AAA Tacoma as Terenz obviously went to the injured list. On the 28th, Carlos Santana reported to the club. And I'll say on the 28th, all of the music that was being played at the ballpark pregame was Carlos Santana. If you know who Carlos Santana musically is, that was kind of funny. Uh, infielder Drew Ellis was optioned to AAA Tacoma the same day. On the 29th, outfielder Marcus Wilson was selected from AAA Tacoma. That day, the eight-year veteran made his MLB debut. Uh, infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty was recalled from AAA Tacoma. And infielder Kevin Padlow was optioned to AAA Tacoma. On the 30th, first baseman Ty France was named an all-star voting finalist. He was in the top two for the American League first baseman role. Uh 
I'll just tell you now, he unfortunately did not make it to be the starter. Vlad Guerrero Jr. was voted in above him. Uh, I always kind of hate, excuse me, the all-star game voting things because it tends to be more of a popularity contest. Like Mm -hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr. has not played for the large majority of the season, and he was in the top five for voting for shortstops in the National League, which is, how does that happen? Uh, And Ty France, uh, there was a great uh, thread on Twitter by Angie Mentic about all of the stats that France led in and he didn't even make the all-star game reserves. So uh, it's just insane to think about that. And, you know, France put out a post after that and basically said there are bigger goals ahead of of us. So good to know that. And maybe he'll use that as some motivation there. Uh, Going back to it, to team related news, we talked about Julio and how there would be news about Julio Uh, on the 2nd of July. He was named, uh, the June Rookie of the Month in the American League. So the second straight month that he wins that award, becoming the first Mariner to go back-to-back for that award since Ichiro back in the year of 2001. I would stop and mention that, but we've got other Julio news to talk to you about. <laughs> on the 5th, Julio Rodriguez was named the AL Player of the Week. And on the... Well, yeah, so AL Player of the Week for Julio there. We have to stop and look at a double-A pitcher, Emerson Hancock, being named to the MLB Futures game, uh, which takes place during All-Star Weekend, which is a great place for a bunch of the top prospects to go and play a little bit of a game there. Hancock is highly regarded as one of the higher pitching prospects for the Mariners in the same sort of regard as Logan Gilbert, as George Kirby. So who knows when we'll see him up at the big league level. Uh, also on the 7th, uh, Marcus Wilson was optioned to Triple A Tacoma. On the 9th, a ton of moves were made, uh, eight in total. Uh, we talked about some of the injury-related ones already, I believe. Um, right-handed pitcher Matt Brash was recalled from Triple A Tacoma. Same with right-handed pitcher Matt Festa. Right-handed pitcher Jacob Barnes was selected from Triple A Tacoma. Right-handed pitcher George Kirby. Kirby, we just mentioned, was optioned to Triple A Tacoma, and I'll get to you in a second about that why. Catcher Andrew Knapp was designated for assignment and right-handed pitcher Eric Swanson was placed on the paternity list as his wife went into labor in the eighth inning of that game where Suarez hit the walk-off home run. So congratulations to Suarez and his wife there uh, on a new child. But with Kirby, um, I feel bad. I feel like I sidestepped that. Uh, But with Kirby, uh, he's being managed for his load. Uh, He hasn't really pitched this many innings in a year before. So the plan with him is to give him some lighter work down with the Rainiers, try to manage that workload service. And Kirby have both said that he looks fine, looks great, looks healthy. So they're not necessarily worried about it. It's more of a precautionary thing. Who makes those starts in his place? I couldn't tell you. Obviously, they brought up Barnes from Tacoma. So maybe we'll see some of him. Maybe we'll see some bullpen kind of days. But sort of interesting to see that all take place. On the 10th of July... It's, it's like the week of Julio. Uh, on the 10th, Rodriguez was named to the All-Star team, uh, the All-Star Reserves. Uh, he joins Alex Rodriguez and Ken Griffey Jr. as the only players in Mariners history to be selected to the All-Star game in their age 21 season or younger. So, I mean, Bell, is there anything that you can say more about Julio or what he's been doing? Or it's, it's, it's just like a superlative game. You just kind of throw all these things out there and it's – how do you even add anything more to what he's been doing? I don't think I can. I mean, just with all of the accomplishments that you said, Julio week, it's been, it's been so crazy just to see back to back just accolades for him. And it's exciting as a Mariners fan and as 
a C- the team of Seattle. So yeah, just looking forward to see what else he can accomplish. I'll also share this uh, with, with Matt, uh, one of our photographers that we work with. There's a funny story that I like to go back to where uh, I don't know how close they were sitting to each other, but I believe a young fan asked Julio for his bat during a game and Julio looks over to Matt and goes, I don't want to give up my best friend. Yeah. You just think about the guy Julio. I are the same age. Does that make me feel bad a little bit? Yeah. Because why am I not playing baseball at this point in time? Why am I not six, five? I don't know, but uh, it's just incredible to think about that, to think that he's playing in his rookie season. He's still getting better. And to go back to the Carlos Santana thing that I was alluding to Santana and Julio trained together in the off season and they're good friends. So if you look at any of the celebrations after Santana hits a home run, uh, Julio, they're always hug, they're, they're tight knit friends. And even JP Crawford has said that Santana has brought this ball club closer together. So it's incredible to hear that you're going to, once you get Ty France back at first base to have a guy like Santana be able to have his presence run the ball club is great to a team that's trying to make the playoffs. So that it, I like Santana, obviously, for the home runs that he hits, but to hear that he's got that impact on the ball club is mm-hmm. even greater. So we'll wrap up uh, the Mariners segment with some league news here. On the 29th, the MLB stated that they want robot umpires by 2024. Uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred says that automated balls and strikes are likely to debut in two years here. He also wants baseball to expand to 32 teams. Uh, so who those two teams will be, what cities you want, Go ahead and speculate about that. Let me know down in the comments. I always like to hear where people think those expansion teams will be um, because I really don't know. I know people have thrown out Portland as a destination, Las Vegas, because Vegas has been getting pro teams as of late. So I don't know. Let me know. Uh, On the 6th, MLB Commissioner Ron Manfred can double down on his expansion take. On the 8th, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera have been named to the 2022 All-Star Game as legacy picks. Uh, Pujols playing in his last year. Cabrera, damn near close. Uh, So MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred used his legacy selections uh, on those two there. In terms of the team record, the Mariners now sit at 45 and 42. They are second in the American League West by four games. They are in the third wildcard spot. We'll take a look at this beautiful. Look at that. Look at that. Third wildcard spot. And you're damn near close to that top wildcard spot where Boston is. So um, the Mariners will travel on the road now for a road trip before they get to the all-star break. July 12th at the Nationals for a 4.05 start. Uh, July 13th at the Nationals with a 9.05 a.m. start. So if you're going to watch that game, you're going to have to get up a decent bit. At least that's early for me. I don't know about you. Uh, And then they head down to Arlington to play the Rangers for a four-game set starting on the 14th through the 17th. The 14th and 15th are 5.05 p.m. starts. The 16th is a 1.05 p.m. start. And July 17th is a 11.35 a.m. start. So before we head over to Storm News, Bell, I mean, look at that. Look at that. Beautiful. Look at that beautiful. So <laughs> we will now head over to Storm-related news. And Bell has us covered with what's been going on. in At least to me, it looks like a pretty decent past few weeks for the Storm, including the All-Star game on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Not a terrible couple weeks for the Storm. So they had a very impressive win against the Las Vegas Aces on the 29th. Our player of the game, sorry, that was a win, 88-78. Our player of the game for that game was Jewel Lloyd. She had 24 points, two rebounds, four assists, and was four of six from three. 
And then Sue Bird actually set the WNBA career record and wins that win. She takes sole possession of most wins of any player in the WNBA history after Storm's win over the Aces with 324 wins. On July 1st, we move on to their matchup against the Indiana Fever. That was also a win, 73-57, a very commanding win for the Storm. Our player of the game was Brianna Stewart. She had 20 points, three assists, and six rebounds. And some more accolades here. Tina Charles moved to the number four slot in the all-time scoring list. So congrats to Tina Charles. On the third at the Atlanta Dream, it was a loss, unfortunately, 90 to 76. Um, our storm lost the lead a little bit early and they just never fully recovered or couldn't get up across that hump there. So we move on to the, against the Indiana fever again on the road. That was a win 95 to 73, a player of the game again, Joel Lloyd, 25 points, three assists, three steals plus 22. And on the seventh, another very commanding win against the LA Sparks with a 106 to 69 win. Our player of the game there again, Brianna Stewart, 23.4 rebounds, two assists, and plus 20 when she was on the court. Um, something I'd like to note just there for the games were played before the All-Star game. Tina Charles has really seemed to find her footing with the team. She started gradually and Against the Fever, she had 13, I believe, against the Sparks in that commanding when she had 18. So it seems like she's finding her group with a team, which is what Coach Quinn was kind of waiting for, for her to get familiar with the plays and familiar with the team in general. So for all those games that I just listed, we only had one player out, and that was Mercedes Russell with that um, non-basketball injury that she's been struggling with. So still looks like it's lingering there. And as we move over to some team notes here, as I stated, Seattle did sign Tina Charles for the rest of the season on June 28th. She seems to be doing great from what I've noticed from when she's on the court. Um, she really grabs other players' attention. So she gets double teams that um, brings other players to be open on the court. So a great addition for Seattle for sure. On the first, three Storm players were named to the WNBA All-Star Game. That was Sue Bird, who was a starter and co-captain, to Brianna Stewart, who was also starter and co-captain, and Jewel Lloyd was a reserve, and they were all on Team Stewart. And I believe um, Stewie actually traded for Lloyd in mm -hmm. that draft. So, of course, wanting to keep all her teammates together. Um, on the fifth, Brianna Stewart was named WNBA Western Conference Player of the Month. She averaged 22 points per game, seven rebounds per game, and three assists per game in 11 games for Seattle in June. She scored in double figures in each game during the month, including a season-high 32-point and 11-rebound double-double at Dallas on June 10th. That was one of the five games she scored at least 20 points during the month. It is the third time Stewart has earned the monthly award, previously receiving the recognition in May 2021 and July 2018. Moving on here on the sixth, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi will be on the WNBA edition cover of NBA 2K23. Of course, as an ode to two of the players who we call the GOAT, um, of course, I'm a little biased, so I'm going to give it to Sue Bird. But yes, congratulations to both of them for making the cover. And in some league-related notes, there is some more information regarding Brittany Griner on the 5th, Cheryl Griner, Brittany Griner's wife, says that President Joe Biden has not responded to the letter sent to him regarding the WNBA star's return from Russia. 
if you guys remember, Brittany sent Joe a letter saying that she missed her family, she missed her teammates, she missed everybody, and she wanted his help in doing what he could do to bring her home. So nothing in that regard yet. On the 6th, um, POTUS VP talked to, talked to Griner's wife. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris spoke with Cheryl Griner, assuring her that an active pursuit of Brittany Griner's release is taking place. On the 7th, Griner pled guilty. Brittany Griner pleaded guilty to drug charges in a Russian court and faces up to 10 years in prison. But pleading guilty is a big key and a potential trait to get Griner home. So more developing news on that. On the 9th, former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson, who has aided prisoner releases worldwide, is reportedly headed to Russia to help free Griner. So we have, I believe, mentioned before that there is interest in a prisoner swap. So we'd get Griner mm -hmm. back and Russia would get one of their prisoners back. So it looks like things are in motion for that, which is if that's the way that we're going to get Brittany Griner home, then let's do it. What do you think about that past week? I mean, obviously you look at it and on the 5th, there was the thing about Cheryl, you know, being like, hey, you haven't replied to that. And obviously there have been a lot of calls for Biden and Harris to make more yeah. action in that regard. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't like stepping into the politics kind of regard, but at the end of the day, it's like, hey, what is being actively done? You know, because obviously, there, as you mentioned at the end there, there is that talk about the swap. But, you know, I, I read some things about somebody who was there um, who tweeted about it in the court for that. Apparently, you know, there's a lot of things. Of, oh, she was trafficking a lot of at the end of the day. I believe it was like a tiny like uh, I forgot it was like a mm -hmm, CBD little, tiny like, cart. Mm -hmm. It was very minuscule. And at the end of the day, you know, I, at the end of the day, the most that this was was a hostage situation with everything that's taking place with Russia. You know, there's there's no way that that's not what this is. And, yeah. you know, so I just think that this is ridiculous. So anybody who's saying, oh, she did this, she should serve her time. Screw that. That's ridiculous. And I am just, you know, we've kept an eye on this since it's been developing. Right. So it's just interesting to continue to watch this. But again, we're in July now. There was a time period earlier in the year where there was hope that she would be back before the season started. You know, so again, it's interesting to try to follow what's actually being done to get Brittany home. And, you know, obviously people are going to see guilty. Oh, she did it. It's like, well, that's a big key in trying to bring her actually home anyway. So it's like, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But I don't know. It was just kind of interesting throughout, excuse me, these last two weeks to kind of see what's happening, you know, all this stuff related to her. So hoping that we have more positive updates, I guess. As, as things continue. Yes. Um, just to kind of go off of what you're saying as well. I don't know if the um, two crimes, crimes technically align. So it seems very much like Russia is um, in benefit of themselves, of course. So again, getting away from politics. So let's move on here because we do have some exciting news, um, some NBA news, actually. The Climate Pledge Arena will host a preseason game. The Clippers and the, play and the Blazers will play in Seattle on October 3rd. So it's sure to be a packed house. I mean, we should make it a packed house. Let's show mm -hmm. everybody that we want our NBA back. So, yeah, that's definitely exciting. And I believe Jamal Crawford had a hand in that. Um, so moving on here on the 10th, the All-Star Game, of course, which was yesterday. Um, team Asia Wilson did unfortunately beat Team Brianna Stewart 134 to 112, and Kelsey Plum dropped 30. 
and was awarded the MVP, which she honored Brittany Griner when receiving that. And Sylvia Fowles and Subert got standing ovations as they check out of their final All-Star game together. Um, it's important to note as well that after the halftime, um, all players were wearing Griner and the num- her number 42 jerseys. So again, standing with Brittany Griner. Um, the Storm record currently sits at 15 and 8. We are second in the Western Conference and second in Commissioner's Cup for the Western Conference. Looking ahead, they have a July 12th matchup versus the Dallas Wings, which I think we were talking about weird early starts earlier. Um, that is yeah. 12 p.m. tomorrow. So, yeah, interesting. Noon on interesting a Tuesday? Midweek. Yeah, interesting midweek game there. Um, and then July 17th against the Indiana Fever once again, and that's at 3 p.m. So, we can yeah, now move no, on to our Sounders. A noon start is ridiculous on any weekday. So, yeah, that's a little bizarre. We <laughs> head over to the Sounders here, and at least, like, overall, wasn't a positive week for our guys in the Ray of Green. So, we look over here uh, to the first two games that they played over the past few weeks, and they've all been relatively close. They kind of got a little bit of a break while we were gone for that July 4th kind of week. Um, June 29th versus Montreal, a team that Seattle does not face very often, an unfamiliar opponent. Seattle would lose that game two to one. Clear the game, Jordan Morris. Uh, he had the only goal for Seattle there. This was a game. Montreal is a really solid club. I mean, they kind of. I kind of forget about Montreal because we don't play them that often, and they're not necessarily one of those flashy teams, right? Because in certain leagues, like like in the NBA, I mean, obviously you're going to hear about certain teams, like uh, what Golden State, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they play well. But they also do it with Flash, like the Spurs, right? Let's take the Spurs. The Spurs have been a successful franchise for years, but they aren't necessarily flashy. You get what I mean? So it's kind of like that in that regard with Montreal. They win games, but they're not very flashy. Um, July 2nd at Toronto. So the Sounders head up to Toronto. They had a lot of guys rested. Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, I believe, no, Nico DiLadero played, but Stefan Fry. A lot of guys were rested back at home. Uh, the Sounders would win that game two to nothing. Uh, a buddy of mine, Dylan Tevez, uh, was the player of the game there. Maybe I'm biased. Uh, with a 7.4 match rating, one goal in 59 minutes. It was Dylan's first MLS start and his first MLS goal. So the homegrown player there out of the University of Washington making an impact up there in Toronto, scoring the first goal for the Sounders on the road. And then the game I don't want to talk about. Uh, the July 9th game versus Portland, a three to nothing loss, obviously with shutouts, as we mentioned all the time on this show, if we get shut out, no one's getting the player of the game. Um, I won't look into it too heavily, obviously, because uh, I'm sure it'll get some Portland comments. Uh, this was an embarrassing <laughs> loss. That was, that was terrible. You know, the Montreal loss I can take Montreal is a good club. Uh, Portland, you know, I, I don't look at the record when it comes to these rivalry games, because I'm sure you know that in any sport, Rivalry games bring something out of you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and this was the match. Stephen Fry said that, you know, leading into this game that you were pouring gasoline onto the fire by putting the CCL uh, banner on this day, celebrating that win against Portland with Portland there. Uh, minority owner Drew Carey said that before the game, it was like, oh, we won this trophy while, while they were on the field. He said, we won this trophy and they didn't. We're here to beat Portland and just kind of rubbing it. And then you got egg on your face because you get blown out. This was the worst Sounders loss to Portland 
at damn near ever, I think. And it was the first time the Sounders have lost by three goals at home since 2015. So it's it was embarrassing, quite frankly. Uh, Liv Lyons and I were there to capture that. Liv had some great shots there for that game. Shayna Shepard actually sang the national anthem for that game. So all of the lead up was great. The game was not. So that's the game that I think Seattle deserves to look itself in the mirror and realize that you got embarrassed on your home field by Portland. And interestingly enough, in the last 11 games in the Seattle-Portland rivalry in the MLS, the home team has only won one game. One game. So it's kind of a weird trend there. But yeah, really, really disappointing, really frustrating there for that. So um, with that being said, we'll kind of head over injury stuff. Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz uh, was out a little bit. He did come back and play in that Portland match, but he went out. I think he re-aggravated his injury. He will not travel with the team to Nashville for this upcoming game, so that kind of sucks. Uh, just at the end of the day, I want Raul healthy for playoffs. So at the end of the day, if you can just put some bubble wrap on him and make sure. <laughs> right. Um, so outside of that, there's not much to look at injury-related news. In league-related news, on the first, the U.S. men's national team qualified for the Olympics. Uh, the USA will play in its first Olympics since 2008 thanks to a victory over Honduras that secures them a spot in the 2024 Paris Games. So that's kind of cool. Uh, looking ahead, the Sounders are a eight-win, eight-loss, two-draw team. They are eighth in the Western Conference. So right now at this time, they're out of a playoff spot. The seven teams in the Western Conference make it. Um, looking ahead, they play two road games. One of them I'll be at. July 13th at Nashville FC is their next game. Uh, as I mentioned, Raul will not be traveling with the team for that. Uh, that's a 5.30 p.m. Pacific time start. And then July 16th at the Chicago Fire, which I will be at, uh, which is a 5 p.m. start. Uh, so, I mean, going on the road, no matter the teams you've played, I mean, you've lost to Nashville before early, early on in the MLS season. You got to bounce back from that Portland loss. You have to bounce back from that. So uh, just kind of embarrassing. I don't know about you, but, you know, rivalry matches, especially if you lose big, it's I, I don't want to show my face for a while. So with that being said, uh, for the past few weeks, Bell, there's nothing going on in Kraken. They have a pretty decently big draft. So uh, with that being said, why don't you take us away for the Kraken section? All right, let's do it. So on July 1st, the team re-signed Gustav Olofsson, Seattle extends defenseman on a one-year two-way contract at 750000 AAV will help anchor Coachella Valley Firebird squad on the 7th and 8th, the NHL draft, which we had been leading up to for the last few weeks, and it's finally come and gone. So on the 7th and 8th, the draft, of course, round one, fourth overall, we got Shane Wright, who I believe was supposed to be, wasn't he prospected at number one? Yeah, though, the big thing heading into this draft was, you know, obviously we got number four overall, which is fine. I mean, top five picks is pretty good, right? But, I mean, Shane Wright was a guy for years even. Before this, he was projected to go number one overall. It was kind of a consensus uh, for that top spot, as you mentioned. You know, Wright, uh, so he fell to us all the way at four. And I remember watching the draft from the Mariners game. And, you know, I believe the first two picks were defensemen from Slovakia. So cool for Slovakia hockey. Um but then number three, I believe Logan Cooley goes to Arizona and it's like, hey, you're sitting there at number four and this guy's fallen to you. So it's like, uh, yeah, you feel like uh, you got away with highway robbery there. 
I don't know about you. And again, I, with hockey, I, I was at a lot of those cracking games last year, but this is still a sport that I'm growing with. In any draft, if a guy is slated at number one and he falls to you, it feels, it feels good. I don't know. I mean, we look at just some of the overview here, and I think next week we'll do more of an in-depth uh, mm-hmm. draft recap. But he captained Team Canada to gold for the U18 team. He's, he's 18 years old. He's 18, and he was projected to be the number one overall pick. So put that in your mind. Uh, 32 goals and 62 assists last year. It's a guy that is successful. And so to have the top two centermen in the last two drafts on your roster and Matty Beniers and Shane right now. And interestingly enough, um, I read a story that right after uh, Wright was selected, Beniers was asking the team to get his number because he wanted to connect with them. Beniers threw out the first pitch yesterday at the Mariners game and Wright was with him. So these are guys that, I mean, Wright stared down, as you can see in the notes, he stared down the uh, Montreal Canadiens table at the draft once he was selected. So it sounds like he's got a pretty good chip on his shoulder. I mean, this is what you want as an expansion team. Obviously, you get some of the top guys that should anchor your team, you know, once they're ready to, you know, I know Beniers had some, I think he had nine points in the few games he played at the end of the year last year, uh, right, is a rookie, was going to be a rookie, right? Um, but, you know, you're setting yourself up for success. And I believe that was the whole idea with all these draft picks. I mean, what, I don't know, about that's 11 draft picks we have here. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm happy with this, you know, just the right pick, let alone everybody else. The second pick, this round two pick, I'll let you get to here in a second, that that gentleman was supposed to be in high regard too. So a lot of people are saying this is a great draft for Seattle. Obviously with drafts, you know, you've got to let things play out. Um, but at the end of the, on paper, it seems good. So I'll let you get to it, but I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I remember seeing a tweet right after the draft saying, hey, guys, like, good morning. We have Maddie Veneers and Shane Wright on our team. So, yeah, that's really exciting. Um, there were four number two overall picks. Uh, 35th overall was Jager Furkus. 49th overall is Janny Nyman. Make, please correct me if I'm saying these wrong. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, no, I'll do my best. But hockey names <laughs> are always tough. 58th overall was Nicholas Coco, 61st overall David Goyette, and that wraps up the second round. We move on to round three, uh, 68th overall Ty Nelson, 91st overall Ben McDonald, 100th overall was Tyson, oh that's fourth round, sorry, so moving on to fourth round here, 100th overall Tyson Jugnoth, um, 123rd overall was Tucker Robertson, moving on to the sixth round, 164th overall Barrett Hall, Seventh round, 196th overall, Kyle Jackson. So that wraps it up. Yeah, I mean, that's like what I'll just say it again. I'm really happy with that draft. Um, and it'll be really interesting. So uh, starting today, it's already taken place. The Kraken are holding the Kraken Development Camp up at, uh, pardon me, Kraken Community Iceplex. So it's open to the public. So if you want to get out there and do that, um, go ahead. I'll be there on the 13th and 14th for those last two games when I don't have, I mean, like the storm game is at noon tomorrow. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, otherwise I'd be there tomorrow, but I'll be up there for that. The development camp is essentially what I, I'd liken it to like rookie camp in the NFL, right? It's just, the idea is to get the players acclimated with the franchise, you know, uh, get themselves familiar with it, with the facilities and such. 
as well as the organization to kind of see what they've got in these younger players. So Beneers will be there. Shane Wright will be there. Jaeger Furcus. Someone made a joke that when Jaeger Furcus has a, like a really slap shot goal, you could call it a Jaeger bomb. Um, but it's, it's a great opportunity to see some of these young guys. And also in that regard, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, the, basically the equivalent, um, it's like the Kraken version of the, of triple a right with the Mariners. You get what I'm saying? Um, we'll be playing some of their games uh, until I believe December up here and some of their home games at climate pledge arena because they're waiting for their, uh, barn down in Coachella Valley to be finished. And that should be in December. So you're going to get an opportunity with this development camp that's taking place right now. And when the firebirds play to see some of the younger talent for this team, which I think, it's pretty cool, especially since you want to grow that game of hockey. You want people to really embrace it more than they did. I know a lot of the people in this city already did, but you want to continue to build that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how I, I, I think it's really cool. I'm excited about that, especially because we've been starved for Kraken content lately, right? I mean, it's like until we got here, that's been it. So uh, what do we got for league news? Um, and we didn't go over this, but I think the is our schedule out already, or is it preseason yes, schedule? Yes, it is. <coughs> okay, I'm sorry, so I didn't... of course, guys, it is out. But yeah, we'll we'll take a, a look at that here. next week. But just with all <laughs> yeah. the stuff that we're going with, um, there's a long list that we have to read through. So we'll we'll get to that yes. good week. Good good point out on that. Uh, moving on to some league news here. Some more historic hires. The Sharks made a historic hire as well. The Sharks hired longtime forward Mark Greer as their new general manager, the first black person to hold that title in the NHL. So congrats to him. Um, the Maple Leafs also made a historic hire. Toronto promotes Haley Wickenheiser to their assistant GM role, making her the fourth woman to hold that position in the NHL. So Way to go, guys. Way to be um, on top of it and making these historic hires, uh, joining, the again, the NFL and making a historic hire. So we love to see it. Um, moving on here to what we have looking ahead, July 11th through 14th, Kraken Development Camp, as mentioned by Chuck. And on the 13th, free agency begins. So that should be exciting as well for the league. So we look over here now to the rain as Bell gives us that nice segue. Yeah, development camp should be exciting. Uh, already went over that. I don't want to keep harping on it. Um, the rain as well. I mean, they had a night. Nice, I'd say their Portland weekend went better than the Sounders Portland weekend. Uh, so in case you didn't know, uh, Saturday the Sounders played Portland, and then Sunday the rain played Portland. So it was a little bit of a Portland weekend. Didn't go as great as I would have liked it to. But – you know, I digress. On the first of the month uh, for the rain, they took on the Carolina Courage here at home. That was a two to nothing victory. Played the game midfielder Jess Fishlock. Fishlock, the 2021 league MVP, had an 8.9 rating, one goal, one assist, and two chances created. Excuse me. It was the rain's pride match. Um, and after uh, being asked about her goal, uh, Fishlock said it was for the gays. Uh, in relation to her goal. So that was really cool to see, especially on the Pride match to take care of Carolina, uh, North Carolina, pardon me, in that regard. And then Trav uh, coming back nine days later to play the Thorns here at home, a two to two draw against Portland. So, I mean, I'll take the split of points. Interestingly enough, before I read you the information on that game. So leading into that match, uh, right after the North Carolina match, 
the rain had to deal with some COVID cases. Um, and so through this week leading into their match, they could not train together as a team. They had to train separately. So, and they're losing, they had 12 players out for them. Uh, we'll get to the injury report against Portland here for them out uh, with health and safety protocols. Um, and then eight players still on international duty because of international break. So you're, you're missing 12 players from your roster and a lot of key ones. So to be able to split points against Portland is pretty impressive. Um, so we'll get back to that player of the game uh, for that draw against Portland. Bethany Balser. Balser is 7.9 match rating. One goal would be the equalizing goal late in that game off of a header. 70% uh, passing, one chance created, and two total shots. So again, I mean, just think about that. You're missing 12 players from your roster, several key impacted, impactful players. Um, you can't train with that limited group throughout the week, and then you still draw a Portland team that is consistently near the top of the league. That's pretty impressive. And with that draw, Seattle remains, uh, they have not lost a game at Lumen Field this year. I'm knocking on what I don't want to jinx anything. So uh, that's still pretty impressive. But so the injury report against Portland. So uh, we have some questionables, but they all were out. Uh, Ziara King was out with health and safety. Nikki Stanton was out with uh, health and safety. Uh, and then uh, Claudia Dickey was out with health and safety as well. So, I mean, four, four players out with health and safety, eight with uh, international duty. That's insane to me. That's pretty wild. Uh, in team-related news, on the 27th, we had some Tobin Heath training notes. Tobin Heath trying to get her back into shape off of an injury with Arsenal a little bit ago, uh, just trying to get back her into soccer shape. Uh, when she joined the team on the 27th, she was fully involved in training, said she felt great. Obviously, I got to get back into shape and work back into playing, but that's the exciting part, being back on the pitch. She said in regards to the injury she suffered at Arsenal, she said everybody was super welcoming and the session was chill. So uh, she, as you can see with the photo here, she has been at games. She was on the bench for the Portland game, but it was decided the morning of that they weren't going to have her involved. They want to get her, they want to be cautious and not rush back into things. So when you get Tobin Heath back, though, it should be a great addition, especially considering that you've got a bunch of players out still with international duty. Um, Kim Little. So since we missed you last, Kim has come back to the States and she's joined the team and she's been playing. I know that that was something that before uh, we were like waiting for it, waiting for it with the visa process. And that's kind of all through the government. We couldn't do anything about that. She's back. Um, so on the 27th, we did get an update on little, uh, they didn't know when she would come through on the 30th. She would come to Seattle officially after visa setback, she arrived and hit the ground running. She was joining, uh, she, that day she got into a training session with the team, as you can see in that photo there. Uh, and she's been playing with the club. She played with them during the courage match and this thorns match. So good to see Kim little back and excited to see what she can add to this club um, until her loan is up in about, I, I'm hope the rain have talked about getting it extended considering that it was supposed to end around the beginning of August and with the visa setback, you lost a few weeks. So we'll see if that's possible, but at the moment we don't know on the first, uh, Megan Rapino was honored with the presidential medal of freedom. It is the highest honor a civilian can receive in the United States. And uh, Sue Bird, actually, I apologize. I should have put that in the notes. That's not on you, Bell. Um, the Sparks game where the rain, the rain, the storm absolutely torched the Sparks. Yeah. Um, Sue Bird was not there for that game. Um, 
because she was with Megan there uh, as she received the honor um, at the White House. So that was pretty impressive to see. Um, and that's and really Megan cool. is the first soccer player to receive the award, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she was there with Simone Biles. Um, it, that's really cool to see, especially when it's someone, I, I always say it, when it's someone from around here, I get excited because, you know, you, you like rooting for people from where you're from. So uh, that was really cool to see. Also on the first, uh, as national team replacement players, as I mentioned with the national team uh, players out of the lineup, the team assigned Ryan Brown, Ellie Burris, uh, Jody Olkel, El, El Kickel, um as national team replacement players, uh, Reed and Brown, and I believe all three of those players have actually been with the club before. So that's kind of cool to see a little bit of a reunion type thing. Uh, and then on the six, someone that I, I, I think Bell, with all of the saves of the week, Bell likes her as well. Uh, the team extended Fallon Tillis Joyce through the 2024 NWSL season with that photo there from Live Lions. Uh, this was kind of a no-brainer. So, again... I apologize. I know heading into the season, I was worried with your goalkeeper situation. I apologize profusely. And I apologize to Fallon's mom. And she likes our content whenever we put anything up for Fallon. So hi, Fallon's mom. Um, but she's been one of, if not the best keepers in the league uh, this season. And essentially her rookie season, she got like very limited minutes at the end of last year, I believe in relief in one game. Uh, but she's really taken that, spot over um and so nice to get her locked up you know it's just been amazing to watch her grow you know as a keeper and with this club uh and extremely valuable to this team's success mm -hmm. so having her going forward it would be amazing so keeping her locked up is great uh i mean do you have any i, I know i mentioned that you know with all the saves a week and i looped you into it but do you have any thoughts on that yeah just that it's well deserved and looking forward to some more saves of the week from Fallon. <laughs> Yeah, she had a great one, a couple of great ones against Portland. So maybe yeah. we'll see it again, but we'll we'll wait to see that. Um, in some league-related news, I know that I worried a little bit at the beginning of the year of the two expansion teams, the San Diego Wave and Angel City FC over in LA. On the 29th, Angel City acquired one of the better players in the league in Sydney LaRue. LaRue actually was with the Reign when they were Seattle Reign a little bit ago. Uh, so in a trade with Orlando, if you don't know, there's been a mass exodus from Orlando. A lot of players, just it's a bad environment right now. And a lot of players from the Pride have been getting out. Uh, so the Pride received a first-round pick in the 2024 draft, $75,000 in allocation money, potentially more in the future if she meets if LaRue meets certain performance-based criteria, could receive up to 20K more. Angel City receives four of Sydney LaRue. So when healthy, Angel City will have Sydney LaRue and Kristen Press up at the top, which is a pretty scary combination, but Press is out for the year with an ACL injury. So Angel City effectively gets another superstar up at the top of their attack. Uh, also, over the past few weeks that we've been gone, the NWSL confirmed expansion in the league. So two clubs will join the league in 2024. One of them, a returning club that folded earlier, uh, the Utah Royals. So Utah will be getting a team back. Um, Laura Harvey, the Rain head coach, actually spent some time with the Utah rivals, rivals, Royals. And then so you've got one other team. I know there's been discussion about it. I think a team in the Bay Area would be cool. I know they expanded to San Diego and LA, mm -hmm. but I've got some soft spot for the Bay, so I'd be okay with that. But it's great to see the league expanding as a whole because a lot of players get cut 
like just like the, w, the NBA, WNBA, a lot of talented players don't make rosters because there's not enough space. So the expansion is cool and maybe it's more teams for the rain to beat up. So um, I don't know. What, what's the city? Just I, If I have to put you on the spot, what's one city you'd like to see? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. You really did put me on the spot. I, I yeah, mean, I considering, like you said, Bay Area, I mean, California already has so many other teams, though. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that there's one in specific that comes to mind. I know that the arg- in relation to what you said, the argument was made that if there are cities that want to welcome these teams, especially in a league that's growing, go for it if the market is there. But I do understand mm-hmm. that. So, you know, with I'm sure there are other markets around the country that would take it. So, I yeah, I think you'd go with that. But someone raised the idea of Las Vegas, and I talked about it with MLB earlier. If the market's there, man, sure, go ahead. If they're going to put up the money, go ahead. Um, and then wrapping up uh, league news, Carson Pickett, former rain player. She's actually, if you don't know, there was a famous video that went live a few uh, years ago. Uh, Pickett has a limb disability, so she's without one of her arms. Um, Pickett makes history. The former rain player becomes the first player with limb difference to make an appearance for the women's national team. And actually over the past weekend, she scored her first end missile goal. So that's great for Carson Pickett. Carson. So from what I've heard, especially from the courage uh, PR head the other day with that, uh, courage game I was at an, an all world person. So great to see that there. Um, as we look ahead for the rain here, they're not back at Lumen field until August 7th, but I implore you to get out to these games, just like the other games that we have around the city with the Mariners. They've got a great atmosphere right now with the playoffs, you know, with, with the playoff spot they're in the storm. There are, I believe five games left at home in Sue birds final season. So please pack the house. Bill and I will be there you know, throughout those games, um, the Sounders, I mean, they won CCL. That's great. But they're looking to get back into the playoffs and win another MLS Cup. You can't go wrong with any four of those. But if I have to implore you to go to certain ones, I implore you to go to the rain ones first. They've set the standalone record for attendance. The last two games they've played in at around 700, no, 700, 7,000 uh, and a few hundred in the Courage match and then 9,032 in this rain, in this Portland match. So, Continue to support these women. I, I implore you. But also get out to the ballpark, get out to Lumen Field, get out to Climate Pledge Arena. Really go out and show yourself because I, I know we'll be there. And we're the only people in this city that are at all seven of these sporting teams events. Um, so we'll be there. But I imply you to be there as well and to really go out and support these teams because um, I can tell you as someone who's been at these games, the roar is different in this city from than from what I'm here, than what, from what I've heard, you know, at these different cities. So I implore you to help be a part of that. Um, looking ahead, the rain have a four, two and five record. That is four wins, two losses and five draws. They are fourth in the NWSL as a whole. Looking ahead, they are uh, on the road next July 17th at the Kansas city current. That is a four o'clock start. Um, and as I mentioned, they don't get back to Lewin Field until August 7th. With that being said, um, we now head over to Star of the Week, which isn't really one star. I'd say it's more <laughs> of a overall sort of thing. And for stars, I guess, of the week, uh, this was a kind of a consensus. I was thinking about this last night, but it only made sense um, with everything that's been going on. Bill and I have picked the Mariners as a whole for just what they've been doing. I mean, they have won six straight series. 
They've won, I think, out of their last 16, they've won 15 or so. They're just on a massive tear right now. It's been a lot of fun to be at these games. Belle, what do you have to say about it? Um, it's been fun to see the additions just creating a successful environment for the team as well. And yeah, I mean, I think that picture just is so perfect and spot on to how the team feels as a whole right now. They're really just playing as a team and it's exciting to see them winning. And, you know, uh, I mean, at least going into it, I mean, if you need reasons, one, Julio Rodriguez, Two, there was a lot of fun that's been had at the ballpark. The last five games at T-Mobile Park, I don't know if you've paid attention to it when you're there, but they have that fan vote song thing. The last five games, it's been Take Me Home Country Roads. And every single time, everybody in the ballpark sings it. Even if, let's go back to that Julio picture that Liv caught, that Liv Lyons got. Um, Julio was singing that. He was belting it out. <laughs> she got that photo of him singing that. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great atmosphere. Robbie Ray's been pitching great. The Mariners mm -hmm. have the most quality starts as a rotation in all of base. Uh, the only team in baseball, sorry, to have five plus quality starts from their five starting pitchers. So their pitching is great. Julio has been great. Ty France should have been an all-star. Jesse Winker has been a fan favorite. Carlos, my heart goes out to you, Carlos, has been great as of recently. So, I mean, it's it's been a lot of fun to get out to the ballpark. So please, I implore you to do so. Bill and I will be there for a decent amount of the season. Um, so, you know, I mean, do you have anything to close that on? I don't. I think that you've pretty much covered it all. And, of course, uh, you guys follow us on social media. But if you don't and you do want a Mariners page that reports in Spanish, there is a Los Marineros page on Instagram. So just making that known. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's totally fair. And I'm I, I'm excited for the game where they they actually do host a game, I believe, every year where they're called the Los Marineros. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. But so that's a good amount of what we got. We tried to make it pretty concise just because we missed the last week for you. So not as much back and forth as normally as I'd like to have. Um, our guy that's normally the bell always reminds me because I have a bad memory and I tend to forget. <laughs> uh, so Mon is not behind the camera today. It's my guy Curtis. Curtis is here. Uh, so O'Day's in the building. I know Big O doesn't necessarily like that all the time, but O'Day's in the building. Um, thank you for Curtis, because, I mean, this was kind of something that I don't know how much notice you got, but we kind of threw this together. Bella's obviously not with us in the studio, but we made it work. You know, with that being said, it's great to see all the people that we get to work with and certainly Seattle sports. Uh, Bird's eye view visuals. My guy Q has been great covering the Mariners with me photography-wise. Live lines as well. I can't say enough about Liv. Ike behind the scenes has been doing some great stuff. Curtis obviously helping us today with this. Salman, hope my buddy Salman's doing all right. Bell, obviously. Bell and Matt as well, photography-wise. Matt's been great with helping us with that and some other stuff. So our team grows. And again, I am so proud to be part of this and to even have started all this circling shadow sports stuff. Because again, there's nobody else that's at all these games as consistently as we are. It's like, hey, you know, I don't know. It's just cool to know that. So with that being said, as Bill mentioned, you know, feel free to follow us on the socials. If you look at that link there, uh, the at Circling Shadow Sports is our Instagram page. If you put Circling Shadow Sports on Facebook, you'll find our Facebook page. Circling Sports is the at on Twitter. But if you put Circling Shadow Sports, you'll find us regardless. You can find our information much quicker there, uh, letting you know what games will be at and all of that. 
And so a lot of more, uh, we show off our photographers more there. A lot of the great shots that they get, there's a lot of great stuff they get. Yeah. So with that being said, until we see what is it going to be the 18th of July, it's this just shooting by. I don't like this. Uh, we're rolling through July is summer. I'm wearing shorts today. It's too damn hot. Um, until we see <laughs> you next week. The shorts. Yeah, you did. Uh, I'm even, <laughs> I'm not even wearing a hoodie today. You, you can see my, my farmer's tans out I noticed. anyway. Uh, until we see you next week, take care of yourself, stay hydrated out there, get out to these sports games that are taking place. I know we've got a little bit of a break here because Mariners are going to go on all-star break. Rain aren't here till, uh, you know, August, the Sounders are going to be gone till the 23rd. The storm are going to be back though tomorrow. So get out to these storm games until we see you next week, take care of yourself, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.